Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Prospect Podcast. I am Chris Trapasso. And every podcast, every article you're reading is counting down the days to the NFL draft. We're about three weeks away. We're exactly three weeks away. From the start of the 2021 NFL Draft in Cleveland, April 29th. So now that I got the obligatory countdown out of the way, because we're so close, I want to start getting into my finalized position rankings. And I remember back when Mike Mayock was at NFL Network that he would always release his top five prospects at each position. And to dedicate an entire article to each spot, I don't know if I'd have enough time to get to all of the positions before the draft, especially if any news breaks or Matt and I next week or in the coming weeks want to talk about anything else, we probably wouldn't have time to fit in every single position on the field. So today I'm going to start with the defensive backfield safeties and cornerbacks. I'm going to list and talk about my top five prospects. As usual, I'm getting right to it. I'll start with safety. Number five, Jamar Johnson from Indiana, and he kind of has been a late riser because I think people weren't really tuned into the Indiana film on defense early on. Very good team in 2020. But once they were watching Ohio State and they would see the plays that Johnson made against Justin Fields and that high-powered Ohio State defense, like, who is this number 22 for Indiana? And I'll read my scouting report. Rangy, high-energy safety, who finds a way to make plays every game. Good instincts and speed to the sideline from the deep middle. He recognizes routes underneath and strikes often. Tackling is good, but he tends to really sell out and lower his head to make the hit. Not 
ultra twitchy, but athletic enough to deal with some slot wideouts and will battle throughout the route to get to the football. The lack of high-level explosiveness is the only trait-based flaw. He's just a good safety. He played a lot of free safety for the Hoosiers, robbed the middle of the field, runs the alley pretty well. I think the tendency to lower his head leads to some big hits, but also leads to some misses. He's not crazy big. He's not imposing off the bus. But Jamar Johnson from Indiana, uh, and I'll list where I have these guys graded. There's a few more things I need to kind of finalize before the draft, but these won't change too much. Jamar Johnson, Indiana, my number five safety, and number 62 overall player. So a late second-round grade on him in this draft class. Number four safety, our Darius Washington from TCU. And here is my scouting report on him. He's a slot corner safety hybrid with click and close ability to be a big time playmaker. Better in a robber role where his coverage range and playmaking skill can be accentuated. But there is serious range uh, from the deep middle. At times, he can get over aggressive and take bad angles. He does play bigger than his size because of good leaping skills and plenty of pop in his tackling. Washington has the athleticism to slide into the slot and comfortably cover quicker wide receivers. He's good in run support, but the angles hurt him sometimes. Instant starter with pro bowl upside. Big fan of our Darius Washington, of course. 2019 film, more production, just better overall film than 2020. Uh, didn't have the opportunity to make as many plays. I mean, TCU didn't have as many games on the schedule, of course. But I think he does have that Tyron Matthew type body mentality on the field, just playmaking skill. He's around the football frequently, and I like my safeties in today's NFL to be able to man up in the slot. And I think our Darius Washington, while not like the twitchiest defensive back in the class, he's up there. I think he'll have enough juice and wiggle and fluidity and flexibility in his hips and his ankles to stay with most slot receivers in the NFL. Maybe not the upper echelon at the slot position who can create separation with great regularity. But I think our Darius Washington, you couple pretty good ability to cover the slot and then that range, the instincts, the ball skills, the leaping ability to be a more traditional safety. And I think you have a really Really good football player. And our Darius Washington from TCU, my number four safety in this draft class and my number 42 overall prospect. So relatively early in the second round, I would be completely fine with him going off the board. Number three, and I will say this quick aside, the top of my safety rankings are a little different than a lot of people's. So like this is one spot where you're going to hear some names and say, really? But I have them graded. I graded them early on before there was any buzz or negativity about any prospects. Uh, and my grading system spit out these numbers. So these next two, you're going to be a little surprised if you haven't seen these already. Number three, my safety rankings. Andre Cisco from Syracuse. Dynamic, rocked up safety who sells out on every play. Goes for broke and often cashes in. The stop and start skills, along with the explosion and sustained speed you want out of a safety in today's NFL. He spent some time in the box, but was primarily used as a deep safety and was super productive. He reads route concepts and the quarterback's eyes in a hurry. 
Then, with his athletic prowess, he'll get to the football in a flash. At times, he does get over-aggressive when breaking on the ball, which leads to bad angles for tackling opportunities, or if there's a double move in front of him. He makes his presence felt in the run game often. Even if it's just taking on a blocker, serious pop to his play. Some of, Somewhat of a boomer bust player, but more booms than busts. He's a safety you want on your team. I was enamored with Andre Sisco after watching his film. I only played one game, two games in 2020, a few games. I watched North Carolina and was blown away. But then I went back to 2019. I was like, man, this guy was all over the field. And it wasn't lucky interceptions. It wasn't uh, schemed where there was a bad throw. As a true freshman in 2018, seven interceptions, nine pass breakups. In 2019, five interceptions, five pass breakups. And then in two games for Syracuse in 2020, he had didn't have a pass breakup, but he had a really good interception of Sam Howell down the field in that North Carolina game. I think he looks like a box safety, but he his twitch and his speed and instincts are like top level for a free safety prospect. So I think you really, he's not just an extra defender that, that comes to the play on a run play late. He can be your eighth man in the box at the start of the play because he does have a good frame. He is coming off a torn ACL. I don't really factor in injuries to my grading system too much. I'm not a big believer in injury proneness enough where I would factor it in and a torn ACL, especially early in the season, like Cisco had, He'll be fine with modern medicine today. We see nine to 10 months. These players are back to full strength. And a lot of times they're even better. Like getting that repaired structurally is actually at times better for a prospect. Not that I want any prospects to have torn ACLs, but you get my point. Andre Cisco, number three safety from Syracuse. Number two on my safety position rankings in the 2021 NFL draft, Richie Grant. From UCF, my scouting report is fast, twitchy, super active safety. Watch the football. He will eventually be around it. Terrific in, in a freelancing role because of all of that. He flashes good range and deep coverage simply because he's a high-end athlete and reads routes the quarterback very well. He reads routes and the quarterback very well. Underneath and at the intermediate level, he can stick with tight ends and some receivers because of his explosiveness, and he showcases good zone savvy. Tackles will leave an impression on the ball carrier. Somewhat slender frame, frame, but plays bigger. Not crazy long, and will be entering the league as a 23-year-old who will turn 24 in his rookie year. That last point, that he's an older prospect, is truly my only concern about Richie Grant because his film is tremendous. You probably have an idea who my number one safety is, but I think Richie Grant's film is nearly as good as my number one safety, who I'm going to get to in a minute. Really the modern day safety that can do it all. He's not 6'3", 225. But if you listen to my last episode, I think that is a scouting misconception that you need your hybrid safety to be someone who resembles Derwin James. I don't think that's the case. As long as you can cover and man you can play the deep middle and range to the sideline you can play in the box you can run the alley when you are 
off the line of scrimmage and then make a play on an outside run before it turns into a large gain. I don't care how big you are. And we've seen guys like Tyron Matthew and Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, uh, who are, and Antoine Winfield Jr., who are good all around safeties that aren't gigantic. So Richie Grant at the Senior Bowl, apparently he had a fantastic week of practices. Not crazy fast, but I do think he is has high level twitch and fluidity. Like you can line him up in the slot for an entire game if you need to, and I think he can hold down that position. Very good tackler, always around the football. Love him as a deep middle playmaker too. So Richie Grant, my number two safety from UCF, and this is what might be a little surprising to most of you. That Let me just get my big board up here. Where I have him graded. I have him graded number 14 overall. And in 95% of mock drafts that you're going to see out there, I would say actually 100. You might see my number one safety in the first round. You're not going to see Richie Grant or Andre Sisco, who I did not mention. I have as my number 18 overall player. So I have actual th- actually three first round grades at the safety position. That's just how it came out. I checked back the last couple of years to make sure I wasn't grading a little bit higher uh, than I should have in terms of each category, and I wasn't. And I, I'm those are finalized grades. Richie Grant, number 14 overall. Andre Sisco, number 18 overall. I think they are modern-day safeties, and that is a position that is gaining importance in today's NFL. Linebackers off the field, a safety, not necessarily a hybrid who looks like a linebacker, but just someone who can cover the slot, can play well against the run, and then make plays in coverage. That is what teams need today in the NFL. And I think Richie Grant and Andre Sisco are both very good in all those areas. My number one safety prospect, Trayvon Morig, another defensive back from TCU. Here's my scouting report on him. Tall, well-built safety. Tall, let me try that again. Tall, well-built safety with the movement abilities of a much smaller defensive back. He holds up well in man coverage and will plant and drive on the football in a hurry. He can follow in man and shows high end range from the deep middle. He's the willing type against the run and shows off his range in that phase of the game too. He lays a lumber, but isn't an out of control tackler. Morig really provides everything you need and want in a modern day safety and has traditional safety size. Didn't have a great pro day, which is like a little bit concerning, but his film is as clean as any prospect at the safety spot in this class, which is why he's my number one safety. I like uh, when he had to match up and cover intermediate routes, he got his hands on the football a lot. Uh, He showed in the slot. That's not an issue for him to, to occasionally, I don't think you want him there all the time. I think Richie Grant's actually a little twitchier, but he can match up in the slot. He has good zone awareness. The range is there, and then he's a great tackler. I think he to be that seventh or eighth man in the box, you're fine with that. In 2019, four picks, 11 pass breakups, two forced fumbles. Last year in 10 games, two interceptions and nine pass breakups. He's just around the football a lot. And I think 20 pass breakups in two seasons over 22 games at the safety spot, that shows someone that's really good at getting to the football and has awareness when it's arriving. 
He had 62 tackles in 2019 and 47 this past season. So four, five, six tackles per game is very good. And if you're hearing any of that screaming, it's my youngest daughter, who I think made a little cameo in the last episode. She's finishing up her breakfast. Uh, so yeah, Trayvon Morig to me is the guy that I would be completely fine with going pretty early. I have a grade on him. My number 11 overall player. And that's probably a little higher than you've seen him anywhere else, or especially in mock drafts. Like I think Kansas city chiefs at 31, uh, that's kind of the team that's been the most trendy for Trayvon Morig. I would be fine if he go, went really early. There's just not a lot of teams that are have a clear cut need at the safety spot, like inside the top 16. But in terms of just where he is graded on my board, he is the second highest graded defensive player. I think, again, I boosted the position addition for the safety spot in this year's grading system because I think it is the spot that matters more than it did even a year ago in the NFL. Teams are going to be using three safeties more frequently and Trayvon Morig checks all the boxes. He's a little bit bigger too. I like that. I think he plays bigger than he even is, but does everything that you need for a modern day safety. Let's switch over now to the cornerback position. I'll start at number five. And I will say before I get to all of these, I have at the cornerback spot, a ton of grades that are super close. So if, and I'll even, I'll get this out of the way. JC Horn from South Carolina is not in my top five, but he is not very far behind who my number five cornerback is barely behind him. My number five corner is Ifatu Malafanwu from Syracuse. So two Syracuse orange. I'm very high on in this draft class from their secondary. Here is my scouting report on Malafanwu. Imposing outside cornerback with rare skills for a defender playing his position at six foot three. Long and very physical, but not overly anxious in press coverage. Best in straight man. Mirrors exceptionally well for his size. Those smaller, super quick wide receivers will likely get the best of him in the NFL. Almost takes it personally when a screen is thrown in his direction. Battles through blocks to get to the ball carrier. Good, not a great tackler. Flashed some zone savvy, but most of his experience was on an island. Plays the ball like it was it was thrown in his direction and it belongs to him. You won't see many uncontested catches in his direction down the field. High caliber speed, too. He's an outside-only cornerback with upside because of his physical traits. Go watch the North Carolina game, not only for Andre Sisco, but for Ifatu Melifanu and the job he did against Diami Brown, a wide receiver that a lot of people are talking about as uh early to mid round two selection. And he's a bigger like vertical based guy who made a lot of plays down the field during his career at North Carolina and Melifanu blanketed him that entire game. When we saw at the senior bowl, he showed that he can match up with wide receivers of different sizes in different styles. And I know we're getting to a point in the NFL where like the six, two, six, three, six, four, Corners are not necessarily as trendy because the league is a separation-based league 
and we're seeing a lot of smaller wide receivers who can just get open. I think Malafanu, when you do have to deal with six foot and up on the outside, and most teams do have at least one wide receiver that is in the top three or four of their pass game progression on a regular basis. That's like six, one, six, two. Even if that wide receiver is a little bit quicker and can create separation, I think Malafanu can stay with him. And he's got long arms. He's very athletic, explosive, fast. We saw that at the Syracuse Pro Day. So Ifatu Malafanu, I think, uh, should belong somewhere late first, early second. My official grade on him, and this, again, these could change somewhat slightly, right? Okay, here we go. Um, by the time we actually get to the draft, but not much, especially the top five. Number 31 overall player for me, Ifatu Malafanu. From Syracuse, my number five cornerback in this draft class. Number four, this might be a little bit controversial, Patrick Sertan, cornerback from Alabama. This is a long scouting report because I watched a lot of his film, really because I, I wasn't seeing it as much as other people. But again, I, I didn't, I don't let to, I don't like to let any other outside factors play a role in my grading system. And I just really liked watching a lot of the Alabama games. Physically imposing long outside cornerback who plays extremely calm and under control. For being a bigger corner, he's decently twitchy, but his hips don't spring into action when he needs to change direction to be able to play with quick separators in the NFL on a regular basis. Part of me loves how calm and calculated he is. The other part of me wishes he played with more urgency and suddenness. He's a sound press man cornerback, but doesn't have to rely on his length and physicality to overwhelm at the line of scrimmage, which is a good thing. Sertan wins with quick feet, patient but effective hands within the first five yards, and overall great mirroring skills. He's not a burner, but there are times when he flips on the afterburners and can really fly. He can be an impactful tackler, but his film has plenty of nonchalant run support reps and he's not someone who's going to chase down a ball carrier way down the field. He's equally good in zone because of fluid, and he's fluid enough to make a play on the ball if it's in his vicinity. His length helps there too. High floor prospect with immediate starting capabilities. I think he's a much better prospect than Trayvon Diggs was last year because Diggs really just tried to beat you up at the line of scrimmage, and there was more stiffness to his game. But because they're bigger cornerbacks coming from the exact same system, I do have similar concerns with Patrick Sertan. Again, and a lot of that scouting report speaks to his calmness and his uh, how comfortable he is in press man and that he knows to just trust his feet, to watch the hips of the wide receiver, to not get overly anxious at the line because that can lead to a big play but I don't think he's crazy athletic for his size. I mean, I guess for his size, he might be decently athletic, but I don't think he's going to be able to deal with Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, those type of wide receivers who can really get open on a regular basis. And if you're picking a corner, a young corner in the first round, you want him to be able to match up with those top tier wide receivers in the NFL. If he's dealing with someone that's a little bigger, I think that will help him because he is like 6'1", 6'2". Also, I don't know how well he finds the football. There was a few throws down the field, was in great coverage, was in phase the entire route, then the ball arrived, and he was kind of peeking around. Where is it? 
And I think that's natural. I think a corner that can't find the football uh, in college is going to have a hard time just immediately locating it in that split second in the NFL. So having said all that, those are the nitpicks for Sertan. I do have him at number 29 overall. I think a late first round selection for a well-experienced SEC cornerback from Alabama with NFL bloodlines, good size, good speed, decent speed, and just a high floor. I think that just fits someone that should go in the back part of round two, and Patrick Sertan is that cornerback for me. Number four in my cornerback position rankings in this draft class. Number three at the cornerback position in my rankings, Greg Newsom II, cornerback from Northwestern. I don't know. Have we ever seen a, cor- a corner from Northwestern go in the first round? Probably not. Not a lot of even defenders or players in general from Northwestern going this early. Here is my scouting report on him. Sleek outside cornerback with loose hips and quick feet to travel with perimeter wideouts. Change of direction is very good. He has an aggressive nature when locating the football, and he does it often. His long speed is high end. He will recover if initially beaten. Not many receivers will run past him down the field. His short area quickness is borderline freaky for his size, but it does take him an extra split second to sink to change directions. Long, spindly frame helps him in contested catch situations. He played a lot of off coverage in college, but has the plant and drive skills plus the length to get his hands on the football. He did flash in man too because of his athletic prowess. However, most NFL ready to sink in zone and make plays. Good instincts, and because of his overall athleticism, speed, ball skills, he is ready to start and succeed right away. I watched a little more of Greg Newsom's film after my initial grade on him, and I saw more experience in man coverage and more success there. So I think he is pretty scheme versatile. But in today's NFL, and I said it on the last podcast, 60 to 65% of the time, every team is playing man or zone, I should say. So uh, about two thirds of the time, the NFL is in zone. So this idea that you need to find Darrell Revis in every draft class, and if you're not getting someone that is can play on an island, then that's bad, is just false. That was one of my misconceptions in the last episode. Check that one out. So with Greg Newsom, I'm fine with him playing a lot of off coverage. And a lot of it was just, press bail in man where he would press the line and then sink a little, but would stay in phase. I think he is the most naturally gifted cornerback in this class. When you're factoring in his size, he is six foot around 190 pounds tested very well at the Northwestern pro day ran like in the high four threes. Maybe that would have been four, four, five or four, four, two, four, four, three at the combine. But I think The athleticism is through the roof, his instincts, his physicality. Talk about someone. I mean, I said it with Malafanu. That's a great tackler on those bubble screens to the outside or a swing pass. He really fights through blocks. So I think coaches will like that about him. And I just think he has the ability to be a legit playmaker immediately because of what I said at the end of that scouting report. Length, twitch speed and instincts and awareness when the ball is arriving. I think that's the biggest separator all like a lot of those things, but even beyond that, I think he's more athletic than Patrick Sertan. I think he plays the football more consistently and is more aware 
when it's arriving than Patrick Sertan. Greg Newsom, my number three cornerback, number 22 overall. And Daniel Jeremiah hinted at it during his NFL draft conference call about a month ago that he didn't even think Greg Newsom was going to get like to the Browns at 26. 26, 28, wherever they are. Let's see, where are they? And I thought that was a little 26. I was right. I've done enough mock drafts to know that. I think he's probably right, especially given Caleb Farley's back injury that could sink him a little bit. I think there'll be reason for Greg Newsom to get pushed up a little bit. My number 22 overall player, my number three cornerback in this draft class. Number two, Asante Samuel Jr., my number two corner from Florida State. A little controversial. The pro day wasn't great. Scared me a little. But here's my scouting report on him. Slightly smaller cornerback who played and excelled on the outside of Florida State. He's a twitched up athlete who erupts out of his breaks. Changing directions is no problem for him. His feet and hips are almost always perfectly in sync. Plant and drive skill is elite. He plays bigger than his size because of his outstanding awareness. We'll find the football as it's arriving and play it aggressively. Recovery speed on crossers is very good. His overall speed is above average, but doesn't look like a true speedster. Probably not quite quick enough to stay in the slot, but has the movement ability to deal with modern-day outside wide receivers who win with separation skills. He's patient in press man and has the agility to stay with quicker wideouts. He shows good instincts in bail coverage or zone when reading, reacting, to route combinations. Sniffs out screens quickly with authority. Sudden, no-nonsense tackler on the outside. So a lot of why I have Asante Samuel this high, and you heard it there in the scouting report, is the fact that he is smaller and he is quicker, and that is the new trend at the cornerback position. I think back to the 2018 draft class or even the year before, 2017, Denzel Ward and Tredavious White, they weren't 6'1", 6'2", 215 pounds with 4'3 speed, but they got their hands on the football a lot. They were smaller. They looked like a slot corner, a, a, maybe a bigger slot corner, even though Denzel Ward is, is, is pretty tiny. But they have the either, in Denzel Ward's case, the elite athletic traits, or in Tredavious White's case, the amazing instincts and ball skills to just disrupt a team's passing game often. And I think that is where I'm at with Asante Samuel. Like, that's how I feel about him. I feel Tredavious White-esque. That Tredavious White in that draft class in 2017, Marlon Humphrey, or Marlon Humphrey. Actually, he was in that draft class too. Marlon Humphrey, um, Marshawn Lattimore, and even Gary and Conley from Ohio State, they all tested much better than Tredavious White. And I think now, four years into their careers, you could say that Marlon Humphrey... And Tredavious Wade are the best corners out of that group. Marshawn Landemore has been great too. But there was a thought like, hey, Tredavious Wade is clearly like a tier or two behind those top guys. Look at the athleticism. You need to be crazy big or crazy fast, crazy vertical. I don't think you do. And Asante Samuel, if you look at his pro day, didn't run crazy fast, didn't have a crazy big vertical. The three cone was good. And I think it shows on film. He is a mirroring wide receiver. And like his dad, I think he has amazing instincts and awareness. And that was the biggest key to Asante Samuel being this elite playmaker for the Patriots at the beginning 
of the Tom Brady and Bill Belichick era because plant and drive, find the football, read the quarterback's eyes and react in an instant. That is Asante Samuel. And he said it. He's come out during the pre-draft process and said, hey, look at Denzel Ward. I can play on the outside. And 5, 10, 15 years ago, no way could he play on the outside with the big wideouts that every single team had. Now teams are running 5'11", 195 on the outside or six foot. And Samuel played against those bigger receivers in the ACC and locked them down. Was very productive. Um, I like the fact that he's a little younger. He wasn't beating up on uh, 20, 21-year-olds at, at 23. This past year, in eight games at Florida State, three interceptions, six pass breakups. In 2019, in 12 games, only one pick, but 14 pass breakups. And even as a freshman, no interceptions, but nine pass breakups. So almost 30 pass breakups, 29 of them in three seasons. So that's what you want to see. He almost had a pass breakup every game. He played in 31 games, 29 pass breakups. He's around the football a lot. The instincts, the twitch are there. My number two corner, Asante Samuel Jr. from Florida State, and where he is on my big board. Number 19 overall, just a few spots ahead of Greg Newsom, my number three corner. My number one cornerback, and there this comes with a little bit of a asterisk because, and I already mentioned it, his injury right now that he has. It's Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. Didn't bake in the injury to my grading system, even though I graded him way earlier than we got news of the injury, the back injury. But I didn't go and tweak it afterward because I feel like he's going to be okay. He said two, three months, he'll be fine. Here's my scouting report on him. Long, smooth athlete who excels in off and bail coverage. Playing the football as it arrives is a great strength of his game. Not overly grabby and plays with good, but not great speed. Um, although he did test pretty well, and I think at, at times his recovery speed is very good. Plant and drive skills are fantastic. Occasionally when he has to throttle down, then accelerate down the field, his change of direction is slower than expected. The press skills are solid, but could use some fine-tuning. I like how he's patient and can recover against a nasty release, and that kind of speaks to the speed I was just talking about. Instincts with routes and when drifting out of a zone to make a play on the football are high level. Length helps him a lot too. Later first round traits, but certainly possesses a first round IQ and technique at boundary corner. Yeah, when I watched some film later, I realized that, that he is pretty fast. So I should probably get that out of there that he's not, that he doesn't have great speed because I think he really can recover. We saw uh, just many times in his Virginia Tech career that he does have big-time speed. He's a former wide receiver at Virginia Tech. I, I mean, at times, that can be a negative because it speaks to a corner not having a ton of experience. But when you see the big plays that you see from Caleb Farley, you're like, hey, that's good that he's run routes before at a college level and, and knows how to uh, make plays on it. Six interceptions, 19 pass breakups in 2018 and 2019 at Virginia Tech. Opted out of 2020. We all know that. The back injury could sink him, though. He could be, it wouldn't shock me, and this might sound crazy, but we see crazy stuff happen during the draft. He could go in the second round. Like, that would not surprise me at this point if teams are scared off by the back injury. But I think 
He gives you pretty close to the athletic traits of Greg Newsom. I think he's even better playing the football and making plays in zone than Greg Newsom. I think he's more athletic and faster than Patrick Sertan. I don't even think it's out of the question that he could play in the slot against bigger slots on occasion. Good size. Uh, Caleb Farley, I, I think, is the highest floor and presents pretty high upside at the cornerback position. And where I have Caleb Farley, I'm not like enam- totally enamored with this cornerback class in terms of having like elite talents, obviously. He's my number 15 overall player. And I know in a lot of draft classes, it's like, and this is why I start, started this grading system. And I said this to Matt uh, on an earlier podcast. It's like when you're looking at a big board, you're like, hey, where's the corner? There's got to be a corner somewhere in there in the top 10. Well, it didn't come out that way in this draft class in my grading system. Caleb Farley, my number 15 overall player. He would be my number one, two, three, four, fifth highest graded Defensive player just behind Richie Grant at safety, Trayvon Morig, and a little sneak peek to my linebacker rankings, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, my number one defensive player in this draft class. So I think, again, great value from the middle of the first round to the end of the first round at the cornerback spot. I didn't mention JC Horn. If you're interested in that, I'll read that quickly because I know he is a corner who is can pretty much pencil him in somewhere in the first round. He had a crazy pro day workout. I don't think he plays to the athleticism that he showed at South Carolina or or at the pro day. I don't think he plays to that on film and he, there's a difference. This was also in my last episode on scouting misconceptions. Check that out. There's a difference between being fast and explosive and athletic. You can be very fast and very explosive, but changing directions or leaping or your body control might not be up to that same level. That's where I think JC Horn is. He does have man-to-man ability. You know, everyone talks about that game against Auburn, against Seth Williams, how he dominated that game. I think playing a six foot two or six foot three wide receiver who's not a great separator, but wants to win in contested catch situations, JC Horn is going to have a field day because he has a 40 inch vertical. He's six foot. He's fast. He wants to beat you up at the line and is pretty good at doing that. But I'm worried about him against separators. So even next year when he's facing a six, two to 10 wide receiver, I think he's going to have his better games when he's facing a quicker guy who can get off the line and runs intricate routes with explosiveness. That's where JC Horn, I think is going to struggle a little bit, but I do have him, and I said it earlier, he's my number 34 overall player. He's my number six corner. He's going to go much earlier than that. A few other guys, uh, Tyson Campbell from Georgia, 43 overall. Where's my next corner? Calvin Joseph from Kentucky, number 51 overall. I have Eric Stokes. Where's Eric Stokes? Eric Stokes. Eric Stokes, number 46 overall from Georgia. So I really like the group from middle of the first to middle to back end of round two. And I think that's when a lot of the corners are going to ultimately go. So that was my safety and cornerback rankings. I'll go through the safety rankings again. Jamar Jefferson, number five from Indiana. Number four, Ardarius Washington from TCU. Number three, Andre Sisco from Syracuse. Number two, Richie Grant from UCF. And number one, Trayvon Morig from TCU. At the cornerback spot, Ifatu Malafanwu from Syracuse. Number four, Patrick Sertan from Alabama. 
Number three, Greg Newsom from Northwestern. Number two, Asante Samuel Jr. from Florida State. And number one, Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. That's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, rate, review to the Prospect Podcast. I am Chris Trapasso.